This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, well, that's just plain nonsensical. This is episode number 55. In this episode, I sit down with John Strom of Lost Farmer Brewing Company in Mineola, New York. John tells me why he chose the name Lost Farmer, why he feels he's a good business owner, and he tells me a little story about his landlord that turned out to be a true nightmare, which he explains is why you should always talk to some of their other tenants before you go and sign a lease. I know all about nightmare landlords. This one I had made my life miserable. She was always in my business and constantly picking on me, never letting me go out with my friends after curfew and even made me eat my vegetables when all I wanted was dessert. I'm just kidding, Mom. I love you. And I love you, my listeners, for listening to this episode and future episodes or past episodes. Just saying, just throwing it out there. So please, sit back, crack open a beer, and enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, this is the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin, and today I'm with John Strom of Lost Farmer Brewing in Mineola, New York. Dominic Petrelia and John Strom both grew up in Garden City and met at a young age in grammar school. As they grew up, they stayed close friends, until Dom went off to college. John stayed back in Garden City working many blue-collar jobs. John's continuous work with his hands led him to owning a successful construction company, which he still owns today. The two continued to stay in touch over the years until Dom came back from school and got into the wine import-export industry. In June 2020, Dom had given John a call to wish him a happy birthday. During that conversation, Dominic decided to ask John if he wanted to open a brewery, and John immediately said yes. Dom responded with, John, you didn't even ask me a single question, to which John replied, I don't have any, I just want to open a brewery. It turns out Dom's next-door neighbor, Brad Gunn, was a chemist and had been homebrewing in his basement for over a decade. Dom's background in the wine industry got him to thinking about Brad's skills and how they should consider opening a brewery. Dom immediately thought of John for the construction side of things, and once John was on board, the wheels were put in motion on finding the perfect location, which they found shortly after. They officially opened their doors to the public as Lost Farmer Brewing Company in May of 2021. And John Strom is here with me today. John, how's it going? I'm good. Thanks for having me. How's it going with you? All right. First off, how did you come up with the name for, for Lost Farmer for your brewery? Um, my partner and I, Dominic, when we were looking for these locations, uh, as we were walking through them, uh, we kind of found, uh, one that was really set back and secluded in a courtyard and it stood out to us as lost. So we wanted the name to involve lost in it because it was very hard to find. Um, and kind of liked that about it. And the farmer part just comes from kind of paying more homage and respect to the people that are the farmers that are making the grains and the malts that we're using to brew the beer because without them obviously you know none of this would be possible yeah right so uh during that whole process from when you guys decided to actually open a brewery uh to the moment you actually opened the doors to the public what do you think was the hardest part for you personally um you know i think (laughs) obviously the times were extremely difficult because it was June 2020 so we were in the middle of something that the world had never seen a pandemic right yeah so I mean that was so unknown every day we were waking up we were watching the news we didn't know what to expect as a world as a community as a country as a state 
so we were kind of going into this thing like, hey, you know, the world is unknown, but at least we can put this place together because, you know, this pandemic was playing day by day. We'll have a great spot to hang out at, you know? Right, so right. I think the biggest struggle was obviously COVID. But then, I don't know, as time went on, the weeks, the months, the years, we realized that, like, maybe this was just going to be a, a great idea because of the timing where things started to realize there was dates that were being put out that we were going to open back up. So the timing all just happened to fall. It was unplanned. It happened to fall together perfectly. But I would say the struggle was was that, was the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so, too. <laughs> uh, That's for most business owners, for sure. Yeah, right. So how did you go about funding your business? Uh, great question. Yeah, um, we, we personally, between us, we definitely apply for loans just because it's, you know, obviously you want to work with cheap money. If you can get loans for good good rates and stuff, you work with cheap money. But uh didn't work out, you know, in June of 2020. Not many people were giving out cheap loans because of the unknown. So banks didn't know, small lenders didn't know what these businesses were going to do. They thought every business was going to fail because they were all closing their doors. Right, yeah. So we weren't able to get a loan that made sense, that was even close to remotely affordable. So we ended up taking the startup money that we were going to use in building out the place, and we were going to get a loan on the brewery equipment. We ended up taking our startup money and spending it on the brewery equipment. So that was a big blow to us. And uh, it's a probably part of the answer to your first question, what was a struggle, also plays into this. Um, how did we get the money? So that was part of the struggle and also kind of just a setback. So we had to, we didn't take loans. Again, we spent the money on the brewery equipment and we just self-funded from our, you know, our own personal assets we self-funded the the construction. As any business startup would tell you, there's a point where you reach your spending limit and then you push beyond that because there's really no turning back. So we hit that yeah. point and we just forged ahead. And uh, I'm glad we did. Yeah, you know, right. stressful, stressful, but 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 worth it and good. So we self-funded it together, Dominic and I. That's great, man. And Brad, and Brad, my my other partner, the brewmaster, Brad. Right, right, right. So what's a, what's something you never thought you were going to have to deal with when actually getting into the brewing industry? You know, that's, a, that's such an odd question because if you were to ask me this like five <laughs> months ago when we first opened, I wouldn't have the same answer. Right. But, um, you know, full disclosure, and I, I know you're going to put this on social media and stuff, and honestly, this is a good learning lesson for anyone who's opening any any business, but I guess we're talking about breweries, so let's just stick with that, but it, it relates to any business. Um. I just have a landlord who's just, you know, honestly, he shouldn't even be allowed to be a landlord in the state of New York. <laughs> um, you know, just he charged us rent from June 2020 all the way to May 2021, where we were just, you know, about to open our doors. Right. And, uh, you know, we open our doors and he sees the place is successful and immediately wants more money. Now, one, that's illegal. We have a signed lease. Right. Yeah. For, for for however the duration of our lease is, we're locked in on a price on that lease. We paid him without any income for a year while we were doing construction on the first of every month. Now we open up and we're busy and he thinks that we're, you know, just rolling in money. We have investments to make back. We have just all of return on ROI and the return on investment has to be made back. He just thinks we're just floating in it. He wants more money from us. And it's not even like I had the conversation. I sat down with him. I said, how much more money do you want? You know, because 
honestly, the last thing you want to do is not be able to coexist with your landlord. You want to get along with them, right? Of course, so, yeah. Because you can make your life hell. So instead of, you know, him like coming up with an agreement, like, oh, I'll give you 10% more, 15% more, like, which I didn't even have to do, nor should I ever even offered. Right. Um, he tells me he wants 10x the rent. 10x the rent. That's insane. Which is basically, yeah, which he basically knew we wouldn't be able to do or afford. So he just wanted to just be like this. Right. And now, you know, he's he's making our life miserable over there. And unfor- it's unfortunate because we don't own the building. So once the lease runs up, you know, it is what it is. Right. You know, we'll, we'll, pro- we'll have to move. We probably wouldn't move forward. We're already looking for another spot um, to expand, but also maybe another spot just on the same block that we're on now so we could stay because the community loves us. Right. Yeah. And our, our, our only problem or literally our only problem is our landlord. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, he's, he's actually, um, a night, nightmare landlord. If I, <laughs> I, I, there's so many things I want to say that I won't say, but right. he's a nightmare landlord. Yeah. keeping it, keeping it as pleasant as possible. Yeah. Yeah. But I oh. mean, he knows what he's doing. I hope he hears this too. Not that he would, but I hope he does. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean I don't know I hope as many people hear as, as possible John yeah, I'll be honest no and honestly that's, that's one of the things that was that's that's definitely one of the things that I would wave caution to anyone opening a brick and mortar location that you know just make sure you you got to ask previous tenants of his right that's the problem that is the problem and I and I wish I did this I wish I thought about this maybe I'm stupid I don't know but I could have easily gone around and found his previous tenants because he'd been a landlord for years right. And asked them about him. And once this all started happening, then I went and asked the previous tenant who was in our location, who owned the CrossFit gym, a tenant around the block, another tenant, another building. And they all had the same stuff to say about him. He used to come in, write numbers on a napkin and slide the napkin over and be like, you owe me this much money outside of the rent. That's insanity. It Uh, is. And they all had the same things to say about him. Right. So it's very very, very very normal characteristic of this person. Well, outside of, of him being a horrible owner of the land, uh, yes. what are some qualities that you think you possess that make you a good owner? It's very simple, honestly. Um, me, Dominic, Brad, my partners, we kind of try to like, like have a family there over at the brewery. So, you know, and, and, and one of our greatest, greatest compliments that we get from customers and patrons, if you read our Google reviews and, and people that we bump into on the street, is how nice our staff is how warming and welcome our staff is. You bring a dog, we run out dog bowls of water. We run out a, a lost farmer's scarf for the dog. Like, right. you know, we're kind of, we're kind of trying to bring the hospitality super, super forward. And I'm not saying it's not at other locations. It definitely is. Right. Hospitality got a little bit lost during the pandemic when people were closing their insides down and rushing people out. And that was kind of like where we felt like we had to ramp it up. Like, let's be more hospitable to people. Right. Let's, let's for sure. So that's, that's one thing. Another thing is few common work for us. Like, we want you to just have a good time. You know, we also want you obviously to do your job, but if you don't, if you don't like something that you're doing, if you, if there's something wrong, I always want everyone to feel like they can come to me, tell me, you know, if someone makes you anything, if you feel uncomfortable with anything you're doing, just come talk to me. We're just, we're just trying to run a very, a very happy and, and it shows very happy, loving family style brewery. And it shows. Yeah. I could definitely feel that from, from when I was there for sure. Thanks Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. So are there any other uh, breweries that you try to emulate or not mimic, so to speak, but just uh, use as an example for your brewery? Ton of Innswell. 
ton of inspo along the way. We did market research all over the north northeast coast. Even before I ever thought that I would own a brewery, I used to go to Barrier all the time. Love Barrier. That's probably one of my originals. I even applied for a job there when I was 20. Right. Um, I met Pat Green there. I mean, Pat Alfred, rather. Um, and uh, we just, you know, I, that, that was one big inspiration. I love Other Half and what they're doing. I, I've loved them for a while, but I even love them more now watching them grow and expand during the pandemic to like four locations from one. Yeah, right. I love their marketing. I love their beer. I love their environment. I love their staff. I love, yeah, that's that's a huge inspo to me. Another marketing inspo I had was Wild East. Um, they, they, their cans, their clean cut labeling and branding were, were a big inspiration for me. Um, Greenport Harbor Brewing Company, for sure. Love that place. Love their expansion. Love their two location style. Um, that's even something that I keep talking about when I, I want to look, you know, I want to expand and looking at second locations. I want a big one like their Peconic one. That's more like the party scene. Okay. And then I want the original brewery, like the like their Carpenter Street Brewery, where the real beer drinkers go to drink beers that they can only get there, and it's a small, warm feeling brewery. So I mean, yeah, there's. I'm sure I'm missing others, but all in all, I have had a very eye opening experience with being in this business as to how warm and welcoming these other breweries are. Everybody's like family. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I hear that a so, lot. That it's yeah. like almost like a brotherhood. Uh, it is, you know, and I, and I didn't know that going into this. So right. I thought maybe everyone was kind of gonna, you know, it, who are they gonna like us? Are they gonna be welcoming? And it was definitely that they were every single one of them. I went up to Hops on the Hudson at a beer festival, and they couldn't have been nicer. Owners of other breweries were just coming up to us, you know, Dubco, Wild East, like Gun, you know, Gun Hill. Um, yeah, just and just being like so, just welcoming. Hey. Heard about you. Let's taste the beer. Your beer's great. You know, your marketing's great. Just just making me feel like everything I'm doing was you know, worth it. Yeah, deep down, I think it's just like, hey, uh, I'm I'm really big into beer. You're big in, really big into beer, too? Hey, let's talk about it. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. So, speaking of, um, you know, when you're reaching out to all these different breweries and meeting all these different people, how are you dealing with distribution of, of your beer and what's your main focus at the moment? So honestly, we're, we're pushing as local as local can get to our brewery right now. Right. So we're at about 12 locations that are an arm's length away from our brewery. Because we're self-distributing, we're, we're throwing them in my, in the bed of my pickup and I'm driving them over there. We're on tap at a couple bars, I'd say three, four bars. And we're on the shelf at maybe four grocery stores and on the shelf at probably four beer distributors. And then we're at Hopscotch. So yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing it slowly but surely. There's a lot more demand. I could probably return 20 phone calls today and get on 20 more shelves and stores, but I just don't, we're, we're trying to not, I don't like biting off more than I can chew. I don't like making promises I can't deliver. So like finding that happy medium with volume, because we're selling a lot in our tap room. You know, canning is a big process since we don't have our own mobile canning. We don't have our own canning line. We use a mobile canning line. Right. So it's kind of like, where do we find this balance where we get to everybody? Also, I have to find the time to throw it in my truck and drive it over there between me and my partners and also not run out and, 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 and be able to, and like have to make a phone call and say, I don't have anything for you this right. week, you know? So we're, we're, yeah. we're slowly, we, again, we've only been open five months. So we're slowly figuring out how much we could distribute, how much we could sell in the tap room. The first month we opened, we were running out of beer in the tap room like crazy. And that's why we pulled in all these guest taps. And now we found we've gotten a real good, 
you know, we're 75% of the beer, we have 12 taps, eight of them, eight or nine of them are ours. And then, you know, three or four of them are guest taps. So we're right. kind of finding this balance of how much we can make, how much we can sell in the tap room, how much we can can, how much we can keg and distribute. And, uh, we're getting better at it every single day. Yeah, man. Slow and steady, you know. What do you think has been the biggest lesson that you've learned so far since opening? <clears throat> I truly believe it is to take educated risks. So, and obviously that statement is vague, but it, it means a lot. Right. Like, take a risk, start a business, do something that you, if you want to do something and you feel that you're going to love it and 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 you're going to you're okay willing to lose sleep and willing to work every day but it's you know seems like a big risk i i think if you know in your heart that you're willing to work 100 plus hours a week on it um you should take that risk definitely because ours was a big one especially in june of 2020 not knowing if the business was going to succeed not knowing where the pandemic was going not knowing how much money we were putting into this, but I knew in my heart, Dominic, Brad, and I knew in our hearts that we were going to love this place. We were going to give this place our all, and we were dedicated to this place, that everything else that was on the risk side of the scale was not tipping us off the scale. Because our love, dedication, and work ethic were, were weighing that risk way out of the equation. Right. Yeah. And I mean, with with all those risks uh, comes stress, I'm sure. And uh, with the stress of, you know, family and work and you having two businesses and whatnot, how important is a mental break for you from everything? That's, yeah, no. And that, and that is obviously very important. Mental health is super important for everybody. Everybody has their tipping point. Everybody has their limit. You know, you shouldn't have to, you know, work and only work in life. Right. There's got to be play time. There's got to be fun time. There's got to be party time. There's got to be family time. You got to do the balance. Otherwise, you will burn out. Yeah, for and sure. One thing I can say is if you, like a rubber band, you stretch and stretch a rubber band until it breaks, right? So you never want it to break. You want to stretch the rubber band until it's at a good spot and then let it, let it go back down. Right. And let it go back down means you take time off. You go on vacation. You know, even if... Like during the pandemic, we couldn't fly anywhere, but, you know, jump in the car, drive upstate, right. rent yeah. a house out east, do something with the kids, like, or whatever it is. If you don't have kids, then go exercise, go swimming, go, like whatever it is you want to do, but you got to, because one thing this business has taught me and having multiple businesses and a family is that if you don't take time to do that, you are going to stress out. And as you grow and do things like this, you do learn to handle stress a lot better going through the startup of this brewery i learned that I'm t it's going to take a lot to stress me out nowadays a lot a lot a lot but that doesn't mean it still can't happen you know i push myself to my limit that's just part of my dna i just like to do that right but i'm sure at some point you find your stress relievers and you're like all right so you start yeah, you may absolutely. get stressed out a little bit but you know how to bring yourself right back yeah i'll go jump on the skateboard listen right. to music and skate for a while I'll, right you know i'll golf with the boys you know just Something that's like you know maybe not a hundred percent work related. Right, taking your head out of the out of the equation, you know. It's important for everyone. I agree. I totally agree. What do you think's changed the most in the beer industry in the last five years? Branding, branding for sure. Branding. Branding, yeah, yeah. I mean, I keep seeing it every day, um, and it's something I love. I, I take a lot of pride in the branding that I'm doing here with our can art 
and our, 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 our tap room and our marketing. Um, but you know, over the past few years, I've noticed a lot of beers are beer brands and craft breweries are taking like a fresh squeezed, you know, juicy IPA and they're, they're mimicking like the Tropicana logo, but just a little bit off. Right. You know? Yes. Um, you know, like that, like major brands that are, are, are home known across the country taking that logo that's similar to that beer flavor and just tweaking it a little bit and putting it on, on the, on the label. That's, that's a big trend that I've noticed that's changed a lot because, you know, obviously the, the brewing of the beer has, you know, it's, it's goes back as long as we know monks and everything. So it's like, and we're going back to those styles too, which I love, you know, IPAs are big. I love IPAs as, as most craft beer drinkers do, but I feel like I'm seeing the, the tilt back to like, Pilsners, yes, lagers, and those are my favorite styles of beers. Pilsner, German Pilsners, you know, European Pilsners, Italian, um, German lagers, American lagers. Like just bringing these these classic low ABV beers back into the craft scene, just awesome. Yeah, man. You know, I was big into IPAs for a really long time, and then I think I burnt myself out on them, and now I'm like kind of kind of like testing the waters and you know like when i'll do a flight i'll go to a brewery and i'll be like you know what let me try uh let me try this pilsner let me try this lager let me try this you know just like anything different other than you know like i'll still try an ipa and a stout but like i'm trying to mix it up a little bit because it's just like there's so many good beers out there and i i you know you don't get to try them unless you if you're if you're not into that style but definitely branching out more than i have been in the past I, i found my way same i could i could relate when I was in, you know, my early twenties, I was drinking, drinking lagers and pilsers. Then I got into craft beer, drinking tons of IPAs. Now I'm back right. in my mid thirties, back to lagers and pilsers as my as my regular go to. I think it's because, you know, when I was younger, like like you said, I was drinking so many of those that it was just like, oh, I've already tried so many of them. I don't need to try them anymore. Like I, I'm right. ready for I'm ready for IPAs and stouts and things that I never tried. You know, um, but yeah, like you said, I'm back. I'm back to those, but. Yeah, we're so, back. <laughs> yeah, I'm back, baby. Uh, speaking of drinking when you were younger, what do you think was your gateway beer into the craft beer world? Yes, definitely easy answer. Barrier Money IPA. Barrier that was, um That was a big one for me. I used to drink it all the time. I used to go there, grab it. Um, it was definitely my introduction to the craft beer scene that kind of piqued my interest. Right. And what do you think's next for your brewery? What does the future look like for Lost Farmer? It looks pretty bright. Um, we're hiring and hiring regularly, growing and growing, and we're looking at new locations. Um, we want a second location and possibly more. We don't know, but definitely growth. Awesome. Awesome. Happy to hear that. Thanks, uh, man. We are too. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, and if someone came to you and asked you for advice for owning their own brewery, what advice would you give them? I guess it would go back towards my original answer. Um, I'd say don't be afraid to take the risk. Right. But educated, educated risk, right? Don't throw your money away. Of course. And I'm not and, and that's not an insult to anyone. It's just make sure that the risk is educated. So weigh it out. Are you willing to work those hundred hour plus weeks? Are you willing to lose some sleep? Are you willing to deal with like like problems? Because there's no way you're going to do this without problems. There's just no way. My advice would be definitely do it. I'm always do it type of person. Like right. Nike, just do it. Right. Just do it. But but weigh that weigh, weigh it out. 
weigh the educated part of it. Make sure you ask yourself the proper questions and um, just line everything up. Line everything up with New York State. Line everything up, you know, if it's in New York State. Line everything up with New York State Liquor Authority. Line everything up with the village you're opening up in. Make sure the board is on your side. Make sure the landlord is on your side. Yes, Make sure yes. the paperwork <laughs> is, is, is filled out properly. And that was one thing that Dominic did a great job on. He did the New York State Liquor Authority paperwork. I did the Village of Mediola paperwork. We did them simultaneously so that they lined up and we were able to open our doors and, and get our and get our licenses in nine, ten months, you know. Right. Yeah. It's awesome. Good partners too. Good partners. Yes. If this right. is gonna be if this is gonna be your new venture and you're opening a brewery, make sure you have someone to lean on. Make sure you got it's easier with partners for sure. Yeah, right. Ask your best friend. And did you happen to have a funny story for us? Yeah, yeah. We got we have this um we have this neighbor who owns a fencing company, a sword fighting company. Okay. And um, she she believes to this day that we are illegally operating our business. <laughs> so so her and the landlord, right, are like constantly just like nagging us about how we're illegally selling beer and we're not. And we obviously have our licenses and stuff. So funny story is uh, I think we're going to make a, a beer and we're going to put a um, – a little sword fighting logo on it with like the lost farmer's head. Okay. And he's like, fight, you know, sword fight fencing. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's going to be fencing the, the lady next to us in, on, on the can, our neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to put it in all the markets. <laughs> That's great. I'm sure she'll be happy. To, I'm sure she'll be happy to see that. Yeah. You know, she deserves it. She's, you know, her, her, her and our landlord have just, just been the absolute thorn in our side since we've opened. And, uh, I would love to just buy her space out, but I don't have a great landlord, so I can't do that. Right, right. Um, so uh, we're just gonna, yeah, we're just gonna go. We go about our day. We smile. We, we, we're very, we're very cordial. Right. Um, but you know, there, there's again, this goes to all your questions you ask. You know, what would I, what would I look into? Check your, check your landlord. Check your, your neighboring tenants because they can make your life very difficult. Yes. And um, all in all, though, like we have like hundreds thousands of you know people community surrounding who love us but there's just there's oh and it's kind of sad because like i'm a very happy person right i wake up every day i'm so happy dominic wakes up every day. we're happy or we love our business we're growing a family business we right. have great customers but there's just a small small black cloud that <laughs> follows us on a daily basis and it is our neighbor and our landlord and they are it's just they're i don't know why they're like teamed up and and they just believe that we're not running a legit business they don't think what we're doing is legal which is insane some people are just miserable john did you know that some people just want to make uh, other people I, I, they want to bring a misery loves company man don't oh, you know it's, and it's so obvious too because <laughs> she enters a conversation and she's like level 10 you ever talk to someone who's just level 10 immediately? Yeah. It's like, what do you, where do you, how do you not start on level one or two and have a conversation? <laughs> like you just, you just immediately start on level 10. And this is since we've known her for five months. Oh, insanity. I know. I know. And you've been to the brewery, man. You see what we're doing over there. The yeah. Every, everything's great. Everybody seems happy. You know, everybody and seems like they're having a good time. It's funny because our business hours are, 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 are when we're busiest. Or after 5 p.m. when her business is closed. Right. But yet, she just she just thinks that we're just doing the wrong thing back there. Of course. She's even told me in conversation, she's insinuated that I'm a bad person for selling beer. 
Good Lord. Yes, you do what you want to do with your life and your life decisions on selling alcohol and having a bar. But I don't agree with it. Well, well, if it's if if this is the devil's work, then uh, we're in big trouble. <laughs> we're in big trouble, John. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm really good at making things like this just kind of wick off of me like oil. You know, when water hits oil and it, yeah, doesn't, right. it doesn't mix. Yeah. I just I'm good at so it just just I just don't let it bother me at all. And I think that's part of the reason that it gets to them is that they've, they've never seen it bother me. Yeah. Right. Well, you did say it was a funny story, so. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, let's see if we actually do it. I got I to gotta convince my partners that the label the label is good to go and we could put it on some shelves because I, I swear we could put a monster or a witch's head on one of the, the fencing fighters All and right. then a lost farmer head on the other. And he's like, you know, sword fighting down on, on, on the witch and then we'll just put it on like all the shelves in Inola. There you go. Well, I look forward to seeing that. And that's marketing. That's the way... <laughs> That's the way I'll get I'll get I'll get to them. You know, they could yell at me every day and, and I'm doing nothing wrong, but the way I'll get back to them is a little bit of marketing. Fantastic. I look forward to seeing that label, man. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so I have a little segment called Quick Fire Five. It's five quick questions, beer related. Ready? Yep. Someone walks into your brewery, what's the first beer you recommend they try? Our Pilsner. Our nineteen fifty five Italian Pilsner. Nineteen fifty five Italian Pilsner. Clean, crisp, little bite, right. all day beer. All right. Favorite brewery other than your own? Oof. It's got to be Greenport. It's got to be Greenport. Greenport, all right. Favorite style of beer? Pilsners. Pilsners, okay. And lagers. Uh, it's tie for me. Pilsners and lagers. Okay. All right. Uh, last beer you drank that blew you away? Last beer I drank that blew me away. Yes, it's got to be um, it's got to be the Hazy Boy IPA. I mean, I'm biased. It's my it's our own beer, but it's the Hazy Boy IPA we released like two days ago. We've gotten insanely good reviews on it, and I even I even didn't realize how good it was until I drank it again yesterday. I had another taste of it, and I was like, "Wow!" And I, I, we all think it's better than the Top Gun, honestly. Really? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. Well, I don't live too far away, and. Uh... I'll, I'll let you know what I think. <laughs> cool. Please do. Please do. <laughs> and uh, you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. Which beer are you choosing? Guinness. Guinness. Okay. John, that's it, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it, man. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order, here with John Strome from Lost Farmer in Mineola. Thanks, man. Have a good day. Take care. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to my interview with John Strom of Lost Farmer Brewery in Mineola, New York. Whether you're passing through, you live in the area, or just visiting a friend nearby, you should definitely check him out. Also, give him a follow on social media while you're at it. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode, so subscribe, and you'll never miss one. Also, give us a follow on social media for updates on the podcast. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.